We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo Podcast. That's right. I'm Frank CPK, joined, as always, by BSJ, and we are here. On a Tuesday, a little bit different, of course, uh, but uh, BSJ, the, the day running long yesterday, once again, it's happened a couple of times here, but there's a lot of Dota that you've been uh, casting. There's still even more to come, not not to continue to remind you, of course, but uh, no, there, there's still some great Dota to come. It goes all throughout the rest of this week, and we're finally will have a champion for that European CIS region. So that's just one of the topics we plan to talk about today, of course, but BSJ, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. Uh, today was short. One of the groups has been much closer than the other. So it, we actually noticed it the other day or earlier today that uh, all of our long days have come from the same group. So and that oh. group also has like six teams that are three or two and two or three. While the other group has a much more bottom and top heavy uh, record. So uh, it just happens to be that today, right, we had six games while yesterday we had nine. <laughs> And there's been another day that we had nine games and two of the games went past 60 minutes. So we were there until 6 p.m. when today we ended at around 1230. So the variance in length of days for uh, three best of threes has been pretty insane, to be honest with you. But uh, it's been fun to cast and uh, follow just a meta shifting throughout the course of the past weeks. And uh, that's something we talked about a bit last week, but it's been it's been a fun ride. 
I was going to say, I, I'm sure you're definitely going to know this patch inside of that. Like, if a team wanted to pick you up as a coach, honestly, after <laughs> after this tournament, I'm sure any team would be lucky to have you right now. I mean, you're, you're yeah, probably maybe. learning a lot. <laughs> no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so obviously that taking place. Uh, before we get too much into this, though, by the way, I want to remind you guys, again, any follow, subscriptions, even to the channel here, definitely help out not only our show, but the predictions uh, umbrella in general. We do have a lot of uh, – esports style podcast uh, that of course take place on this channel so be sure to at the very least hit that follow button uh including a show that's actually going to be happening a couple hours from now at 9 p.m eastern tonight uh the uh, the rocket league show so if you happen to be interested in rocket league well they have a great scene over there uh definitely a couple of good hosts uh, hosting that podcast so uh but as far as what we're going to be discussing today uh again it, there's not a lot going on necessarily uh so kind of changing it up a little bit um what one of the big things is We've touched on this a little bit, but I suppose going in a little more in depth with it uh, is the fact, uh, again, with everything going on right now, and in your case specifically, you, you're at the BTS uh, play. They're going to the studio there uh, every day, literally casting four best of threes. Um, it, it, it's a change of pace, to say the least. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've had a couple of players on to kind of give their perspective, but figure what why not why not kind of give a caster's perspective on on how things uh are going and, and you know we see tweets happening from from cap and bliss that are with you as well blitz he's what did he do like ten thousand push-ups or something yeah he had a challenge with a bunch of his buds to do ten thousand in a month and he did it in like 26 days or 27 days or something so he's he got me into it a bit where just after we're done with like a we have like a 10 minute break usually somewhere between like six to ten minutes between every game we just go do like 10, 15. I'll, I'll do like 10 or 15. He does like 30 push-ups uh, every break. So it is a way to keep us awake. Somehow the days, they seem to get shorter. I guess you kind of just get used to it. Uh, it's not necessarily actually getting shorter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it helps the day go by. It keeps us energetic and it's been fun. Uh, like It's been a really cool bonding experience just hanging out with them in general. And that's just one example of random things we're doing. We've also been doing like a daily uh, Settlers of Catan game through where nice. the, for the 10 minutes between every game where we play 10 minutes of Settlers where it, like the game is going through on throughout the course of the day. So uh, some rivalries and feuds have been formed during that. But uh, at Life of a Caster, it's just I'll let you ask the next question because I, I could. <laughs> rattle on about random stuff so we can have some structure to no, I, in this show i mean i i again i've been a i've been there personally to an extent as far as not i can't say i've been like as long as you've been doing it right now can yeah it's almost gonna be like else. two and a half weeks i want to say almost three weeks in full where every day you're gonna be casting i mean that that's that's a stretch man that's a it's 23 days by the way <laughs> 23 <laughs> days actually jesus yeah so just over three weeks all right you're almost yeah. there man hey it's gonna get better Right. You know, we, we got the really good match. Once a playoff start, it, it should be a bit better. Um, but uh, yeah, I've definitely, you know, got the stretches before like a week or so, whether I've done a couple times, you know, from my house when big qualifiers are going on, whether it's the TI qualifiers or some big major. Um, but certainly a, a different experience there. I guess uh, there's only been a couple of times when I did the epicenter event. Um, 
couple of years back, actually myself and Grant uh, were there with a couple of other casts. This is one where they hosted the, the competition there, and you know we're fortunate enough to be able to go. And I just remember we did like the whole group stages beforehand, and it was it was just over a week. I want to say like eight days straight, where every day the same routine. You know, you wake up at a set time, you they take you over the bus. You know, you you, you sit down. In their case, it was like a, the small white room where like nothing was really going on. A little, little it felt a little shady, but um, and yeah, you, you cast some Dota, and then uh, you kind of just rinse to repeat every day so i i, I kind of wonder for you you know you obviously get along very well with uh with cap and blitz that you're talking about and the others that are there uh you, you've done several of these events with them so uh board games i mean are you guys hanging out behind the scenes quite a bit or i mean these are long days so do you just more want to go home and relax oh yeah it's funny we're all we're all very similar in a lot of ways obviously we're not the same people but for instance, me and Grant, have, we're, we're staying in an Airbnb uh, during this where he's upstairs and I'm downstairs. And like we, we, we drive back and then he goes upstairs and plays WoW and basically does whatever. And then I stay downstairs and either relax or I'm on my computer playing random games. I, it's, it's really frustrating to play on a kitchen table to play Dota and everything. It's not the most comfortable setup I got. I am on my PC. I just brought it out because I had to drive. Uh, but... We have just been basically spending all day together. So all of us are just like on the same page of see you tomorrow, guys. You know, yeah. the last thing we want to do is is like spend too much time around each other and just get tired of each other, which would definitely happen, I think. Uh, but me and Grant have a lot in common about random stuff that we've realized where we're like, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's get out of here. Like, uh, you know, like he, there was nothing that needed to be said where once we get home, he goes upstairs, I stay downstairs, and we just don't yeah. see each other until the next day. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like we don't like each other. Uh, <laughs> it's just like keeping our distance because we're spending 10 to 14 hours a day uh, in the BTS studio. So during that time, we're all making jokes. There's been a lot of inside jokes throughout the course of the uh, event. A lot of them are actually seen on the stream. Like if you watch the stream every day, you can catch a lot, like keep up keep along with like what we're talking about and you know cap and i over the course of this have slowly started insulting each other a lot more and uh teasing each other for like when i make wrong predictions or anything like that like i'll, I'll insult how he like his dota skills or the fact that he shaved his head so we just joke about him molding and stuff it's like there's a lot of little inside jokes and a lot of it's just been quality time everyone's oddly talked about we all came to the same conclusion. We're like, if we had to be in this 23 day casting period where we got a solid group, like we're all yeah. very, it's not like fake or whatever to act like we like each other on stream or anything. We do all enjoy being in the same place. And we have kind of all agreed that we, there's not many other people, if any, that we'd rather go through this grind, uh, yeah. with. So that's been quite enjoyable. And also, uh, the only thing I would say that we kind of do fake is that most of us are pretty freaking exhausted while we're on the panel. So somehow Grant, I'm telling you, Grant is a fucking, uh, excuse my different. language. He is a almost bipolar in terms of like off the stream. He's like very chill, like I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And then he comes back on the stream and he's like, you know, energy levels, you know, out the freaking roof. So uh, it's very... 
it's a very peculiar but yeah. interesting and very funny to be around dichotomy that he's that he's got going on with his, I, with his personality. I, 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 I can vouch for that definitely. I, again, I've, I've been fortunate enough to actually do several of it. I mean, myself and Grant, we actually go way back where uh, this is okay. So, so fun, fun story here for anyone that you know followed back in the Han days uh, may know this, but the first time I officially met Grant was on an interview that I did with him, and he was known as what was. I think he went by the name Juan Pedro or something like that. It was okay. some silly team that him and a couple of I forget the other players that were on the team, but th- there was some random event that we were throwing on and they, they, they just got finished defeating actually a higher seated team, you know, a decent team. And we're like, you know, who the hell are these guys? And so we made a point uh, to get in touch with, with Juan Pedro, who, you know, later found out was really Grant Grant. And, so this this guy comes on. It, we, we were doing this webcam set up here where they, they would you know webcam into the studio that we had, and <laughs> I kid you not, I'm sure there's a video somewhere. He's literally wearing a paper bag over his head with the eyes cut out in the paper bag, and he's talking in you know like a, a Spanish accent, like totally put on an accent and everything. And I'm like, this is actually happening right now. This is professional heroes in New Earth at its finest right now, and you know esports overall. So Grant's uh, a character for sure. Yes, absolutely. And after that, I'm like, oh, I never want to talk to that guy again. That that was ridiculous. You know, you know, just kind of in the moment type deal. But later on, you know, I come to find out who it actually was, and I. And I I've learned more and more about his history. And then after the transition to Dota especially happened, I got the chance to actually talk with him quite a bit at, uh, I think it was TI seven and can start to really tell because, you know, his, I don't want to make this about Grant overall, but anyways, you know, his, he's had an interesting road to say the least when it comes to his history. But, um, more lately, he has been done a phenomenal job at, I don't want to say changing his image as a whole, because he definitely still has a bit of his past in him, but um, he's he's done a, an amazing job at just showing the love and the passion that he has for this game. And it translates so well, because he is probably the, he probably has the most knowledge out of anyone in the world when it comes to original Dota history and until now. Um, and so I definitely have learned to appreciate him specifically for that. I know many have as well, but then, yeah, to your point, you know, could done a couple of events with him exactly, you know, on camera, he is just over the top. Sometimes he, he has the energy somehow, but then, you know, when things are all said and done and, you know, just, just very, very chill, relaxed. And, uh, I don't, he's definitely not faking it. It's just, you know, he can turn it on when he needs to, when it comes to the, uh, the commentating side. So yeah, it's just something that is not humanly possible to be like 24 hours a day or whatever. So, uh, he's definitely he's definitely a gem for the Dota 2 community. I genuinely really like the guy and enjoy working with him. So it's just uh, it, it, he is not at all different than what you see on stream. That's just him at his highest energy level. It's not like when he's low energy, he's like a different person. He's just not blasting off the walls at all times or whatever. So yeah. I, uh, I've grown to appreciate him too. We go way back in terms of our feud or whatever we had there was even a reddit post the other day which showed like or talked about like a clip of grant just shit talking me for like an hour on a stream while i talked about my experiences on summer's rift or whatever so it's like Uh, there's some deep there's some deep rooted uh feud that went on between me and him and i remember it but at the same time we don't even remember like why more so than anything like why he said what he said or i don't even remember how i felt about it i just remember being like you know 
why am I like at that time I kind of had beef with a lot of random in a I'd call them goons kind of thing. And he even referred to himself as such. I, I just laugh at the, the fact that we, him and I have a lot in common randomly and you would have never thought. And there's just like, Oh, what was it? Oh my God. There's something that happened today where we both said we would do like, I, I was thinking what I would do in a given situation. And he said the exact same thing that I was thinking. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's a little weird. Like, like it happens a lot. Like we just have the same random thought processes about similar things. And it's something I've never realized because we didn't spend more than a few days at every event together. I've spent yeah. a decent amount of time with Graham. We did like an MDL event like two years ago where we did basically what we're doing now for like six days or five days rather than 23. But this has been a whole nother, whole nother ball game. Uh, we, we will all come out knowing each other much better. There's a lot of bonding afterwards. going on. Yeah, yeah. It's all just good, healthy, uh, enjoying Dota. And even though we are all honestly exhausted, uh, spending time with people like Grant, Cap, Blitz, Gods, Dakota, LD, it's all been honestly just a good time. So glad to have done it. I don't know if I would do it again, like the 23 days in a row, but uh, I'm just happy to have a job and something to do while I'm in quarantine, while everyone else is in quarantine. It doesn't feel like the world is different because we're in our own little shell. We basically just drive five minutes from our Airbnb to the to the studio and that's we we go airbnb studio airbnb and that's like all we've done for the last 20 days so it's pretty uh it, it's very shell it's very sheltering and uh you just don't see what's going on like we know but we don't feel it i guess it's gonna be weird when it's over man it is <laughs> like all of a sudden. Like, trust me I, I feel like i'm in like a little i am living under a rock for like three and a half weeks i, yeah. I have kind of just discontinued my stream for the most part i'm playing other games than dota because it's just not in my brain power to f- take more dota after casting it for 10 hours and mm-hmm. and like so basically not streaming even though i'm playing like other games and stuff but then i also am just not going outside hardly at all so it's like you know, and we've gotten in this routine of we all like we have food orders every day. We've gotten Chipotle as our healthy choice or whatever. And then uh, we usually it's all been really good food. And, but uh, <clears throat> it, it's just. We're literally operating on like a school type schedule in the sense that we do the same thing at the same time every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the service from BTS and their. Uh, hospitality crew and everything with helping us at the Airbnb, helping us with food. It's all been incredible. So shout out to them uh, for that. And uh, life's good. It's just like, I've, it's since the quarantine's happening, I've had a bunch of random requests for coaching sessions. I've had people come into my stream bitching that I'm not playing Dota. And I'm like, I've tried to just ignore <laughs> all that crap because I'm like, guys, do you realize how many hours of dota i am dealing with a day and uh i do look forward to when i get back home because like you said i've learned a shit ton watching these games and uh i really have no other option too meaning i'm not gonna be watching 10 hours of dota a day what else am i supposed to do with my time and you're forced to like analyze the drafts think critically about what i'm seeing uh and that's something that's 
you don't get unless you just do it. And it's really hard to do if you're not casting. So that's one of the really beneficial things. And I've also gotten to take time to t- step away from my streaming and be like, okay, how are things I can improve my stream? And, uh, cause it all really, you just get consumed in whatever daily routine you're doing working in the esports industry. So, uh, this has been just a very weird chase of change of pace. And I know I just rattled on for a while, but, uh, I know that all came from just talking about Grant, but yes, uh, this whole thing has been a very, well, once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. And I think it's kind of important too to really help put everything in perspective. We did a little bit last week, but another good example I feel is like myself, I, I originally was attempting to become more of a broadcaster in traditional sports, whether it's basketball, football, whatever. Um, so thinking about it that way, where in that case, you know, your typical broadcast, even if you take baseball, for example, where there's, uh, you know, a game almost every day with their schedule and how they how they play out. Um, that's still, you know, the game itself is is three hours, maybe. Right. And that's yeah. you put that into perspective. I mean, that's one best of three potentially in Dota, two. And so the fact that you know you're doing four of those in a day, every single day. I mean, even just for smaller events. I mean, to help whatever, like you, you got like a, a week long tournament, doing two best of threes a day. That's still five to six hours of commentating of watching a product that you then have to, like you said, uh, analyze or play by play cast. And it it definitely it, it, it is a wear and tear, uh, both physically and mentally. Uh, for sure. So I, I, I trust me. I know where you're coming from, in, in certainly smaller examples, and hope uh, it, it could help put it into perspective once again for those that are tuning in and maybe uh, trying to get a better understanding of uh, the, the work that actually is going into all of this. Because and then not only that, then the idea that the preparation that's involved, you know, going in every day. You know, what teams do we have? What do they do the previous days? You know, it depends on how in depth the analysis wants to be, of course, but. Uh, obviously, every time you get on camera, every time you, you, you're doing your uh, commentating, you want to do your best to be able to get the information necessary um, and be as prepared as possible, right? So it's uh, it, it is it is a lot of work. Certainly, it's 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 definitely a big grind when it comes to uh, this commentating here. So. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to esports to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, so three more days of the group stages um, as we keep going back to with this event. And then the playoffs start, as I mentioned. And, yeah, I was double-checking the schedule. So, yeah, it looks like it goes through Sunday, uh, Sunday being the grand finals. And that's uh, going to be that best set of five. So, of course, uh, to clarify, we, we've been talking about the ESL, uh, CIS, and European region tournament that they decided to put on with with everything happening, that $200,000 prize pool. Um so, so getting uh, a little more into the event itself or kind of recapping somewhat as far as uh, some standout things that have been taking place. Uh, 
for me, it says people know Liquid being on the very bottom of their group. In Oof. fact, with that, yeah, I oh, forgot you're a Liquid fan during all this. Too. It's uh, it's it's been brutal. Zero and five, man. It's it's just like okay, this just was not their tournament. And usually with some of these online events or qualifiers, you know, kind of overlook it a little bit. Say like, you know whatever. You can't really do that right now, though, right? Like th- this is the this is the big event right now for this two three yeah. month period. Like this is it. So to make an excuse like that just doesn't feel fair at all. And it it frankly is disappointing to see a team like Team Liquid go zero and five in uh, in this event. I've already called them out in terms of my disappointment in this for sure. Yeah. So sorry if I interrupted. Well, you. no, I mean that's fine. So, so for me, that that was one big standout. But I mean, so what about for you? What what has really been uh, eye catching in terms of the standings? In terms of the standings, I would say uh, VP. Not because they're on top, but they have looked like secret level. Like they've been secret. I, I knew Secret coming in was going to be the best, but VP has looked crushingly dominant in all of their games, and I. I think Resolution as an individual is probably the most impressed me throughout the course of this event. He's basically carrying them in the way that we know him from previous years and other roles or the carry role. Uh, he's doing that from the off lane and he's owning. So I really like it, it almost is inspirational to me since I've personally gone from carried off lane too to see someone like him just for lack of a better word, blossom into what he's turned into. So that's really cool for me to watch. We've also had him in like interviews we always have interviews after whoever wins the series and we've interviewed Rezo every single time. Cause he's the <laughs> only one that wants to do it for VP. And, uh, it's been, it's been pretty funny at the end of every series. So like, you know, you have fun winning again and all that kind of stuff and asking him fun questions. But, uh, for me in terms of standings, I don't think anything's particularly shocked me. Liquid is an incredibly streaky team and I know the mentality they have a lot and, if they have confidence, they're like they own. And if they don't have confidence, they suck. And they've admitted that willingly. So uh, it doesn't terribly surprise me after watching their first couple series that it's led to this. It's not an excuse. It's just them as a team. I, I think they've like tried to create their own version of the meta. And for instance, Storm Spirit's like one in 12 in the last 13 games. And uh, they picked like Storm Spirit like four times and they were first rounding it even. Like the heroes just bad. Every other team stopped picking it and they just kept picking it. Uh, they were picking heroes like Crystal Maiden. Nobody else was picking. And uh, it's just, I, I, I enjoy watching this league because you see teams like Team Liquid who don't adjust and don't fix it. And then I see teams like Alliance who looked really bad at the start and I thought they were just going to be bottom of the barrel. So I guess you could say they're kind of surprising me. Because S4's first series as a captain, he looked like a terrible drafter. They looked all over the place. And then compare that to like their fifth series yesterday, and their drafts were better. They looked like the better team. Uh, in the second draft, I thought it was pretty even against Na'Vi, and they just outplayed them in all fronts. Like they just looked like a way better team. So that to me, it was pretty mind boggling how some teams bounce back so quickly to a meta that was clearly established by certain teams. And then the metas shifted so many times uh, in regards to Dota's, how it works is there's one hero that's considered really good. Five games or so later, somebody's figured out a way to beat it. So whatever hero is good against that hero becomes higher priority. And so people start banning the hero that counters it. And then you ban that hero. And then because that other hero is now getting picked, there's other heroes that are good against that hero. And suddenly you see heroes you haven't seen the entire freaking tournament getting first rounded. 
just to counter pick it, just to like deny pick it. You know, it's like uh, it's really interesting. Uh, we're now arriving at like the top ten heroes or so that are all getting picked over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like in the off lane, it's uh, like Pangolier, Axe, Mars, and the turn beginning of the tournament, it was like all Centaur. We've kind of that hero's fallen off a bit. Uh, and like the four roll, we see Tusk, Earthshaker, Earth Spirit, all these melee bruisers. No more like Rubik's or anything for the most part, unless people pick Enigma, which we saw that against Liquid. And then uh, in like the mid lane, it's Death Prophet. Queen of Pain is like the huge new meta hero that everyone's picking. It's good against Death Prophet. I've seen it now waned. I've seen it picked in the first round like four times and it owned every single game. So mm-hmm. Queen of Pain apparently is the new hot shit. And uh, in the safe lane, it's all like you saw Terrorblade and Wraith King every single game in the NA series. And I've seen maybe two Terrorblades and five Wraith Kings and, uh, you know, 60 games or whatever of, of EU. So uh, it's just very fascinating to to just see like new heroes that came out of nowhere as a response. And then people are like, wait a minute, we can't actually counter this. And suddenly Queen of Pain went from this ninth pick, uh, you know, counter pick and lane to dp or something to suddenly first round and nobody knows what to do yeah. so i almost think in two days from now somebody might know what to do against queen of pain and then she might not be very good anymore i, I don't know uh but it's just that's been the most surprising to me is the teams that have adjusted so quickly and then teams like team liquid have just i think team nigma and team alliance and alliance are the two teams i would say or not team yeah team nigma and team alliance are the two that looked a bit shaky at the start and then have just come roaring back by quickly reflecting and adjusting what they were doing. And uh, okay. it was quite a pleasure to watch teams of that caliber look really eh, and then suddenly, like the next day, their strategies look different, their drafts are more refined, and they're owning. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, you brought it up earlier too, kind of looking at the standings overall. So again, don't want to go too in-depth here, especially for, for your sake. You're already doing plenty of this analyzing on uh on the broadcast there but uh liquid is the only team that's that's officially eliminated out of group b everyone else has a three and two or two and three record other than team secret who's five and oh at the top so it is going to be an interesting or a fun finish there more so uh as uh they have three more days left of of playing matches in fact group b is hype yeah, so I guess so, so they do switch off in the days there. So, yeah, so there's three more days in total, as we talked about. So, yeah, it, it's going to come down to the wire, really. You'd figure Secret's going to be the number one seed. But, uh, again, top two move on to the winner bracket. Next uh, two, so third and fourth, go to the lower bracket. And then the bottom four overall in each of the groups get eliminated. So, But uh, Secret and Virtus Pro are on top of their groups, respectively. And, yeah, VP certainly... Uh, I don't want to say a big surprise there, but uh, yeah, I can't say I would have seen them at, at that six and zero record. The fashion they've done it in is what surprised sure. me. Like they they look dominant, like they just look way better than whoever they're playing against. Uh, some of the CI, I think the CIS region was the most impressive. Like they look way better than I expected them to. Like the teams like Viking GG and and like even the teams that aren't doing too hot in terms of record, but like Cyber Legacy and Team Unique. Uh, that Group B. Those teams are very impressive to me in terms of like, it doesn't look like they're just all mediocre. It looks like they're all very solid and putting up a fight. So it's the cool thing about the standings coming in tomorrow is that none of the two, three teams are playing each other and none of the three, two teams are playing each other. So theoretically, 
we could have six three and three teams after tomorrow. <laughs> Theoretically, obviously it's not likely, but wow. uh, it's quite possible that all the teams in the three, two section could lose and all the section teams in the two, three could win. And that would be really funny, but probably not. But the fact that it's possible is, is worth noting. And I'm, and so tomorrow is definitely a hype day. It's probably going to be one of the hypest days of the, of the whole group stage just because other than secret who's guaranteed to be first or pretty much guaranteed. And other than liquid who's guaranteed out every single series matters drastically to every single team. So should be, it's basically a playoff uh, the last two days of the group stage for that one. The group a is kind of lame to be honest. It's like very little contest there in terms of the fourth, fifth cutoff. But uh, so there's going to be like one or two really important series. But tomorrow is all like back to back to back. Whoever wins is going to probably advance and whoever loses is most likely out. So it's quite a hype day tomorrow. Yeah. And I know sometimes, including myself, people may have their perception on these online events. You know, how much should you really be taking it? But I go back to it with with everything going on right now. um, No, this doesn't impact your DPC rating anymore, but it's still an ESL event, and this this is the events happen. Like I said, this really you think about it. This exactly this two and three month period that we're in now. If you go back a, mo- a month ago, another month from now, this is going to be the biggest event uh, in that time frame. So you you would hope that the teams certainly are uh, are giving it their all in that online aspect, and and I, I think it's very very warranted to be able to take something from it. Absolutely, uh, in this event. So. Yeah, again, don't want to spend too much more time on this event specifically, but uh, guys, ne- next by next week, so the next podcast, uh, next week we'll know the winner and everything, and it'll be kind of a fun wrap-up, I'm sure, uh, for yourself too as far as uh, it all finishing uh, to discuss uh, how it all plays out. But that's going to be it's going to be interesting. Again, we know Secret and VP are going to be the top dogs going into the playoffs at least. We'll see if they continue that going through. So um going to keep an eye on that throughout the week, hopefully. Uh, and again, for you guys that are tuning into this podcast, whether it's on the live show or uh, listening to it on your podcast platform, every day those four best of threes are happening. And then once the playoffs start, some really good series definitely taking place. Uh, another event, by the way, that we haven't given really any mention to yet, but uh, BTS, uh, I'm sure you're aware too, but the BTS Pro Series was uh, was officially announced uh, more recently, and they kicked it off on April 10th, so this last Friday, and it's more for the Americas region, and they have uh, eight teams between South America as well as North America competing in a similar format that's going on with the European CIS region for ESL. So it's basically, in this case, it's only one group of eight teams, and then they're playing uh, two best of threes. Uh, they have two best of threes going each day uh, for the next uh, couple of weeks into a playoff and into a, a finals there. It's a $50,000 prize pool, so solid money on the line. But again, more content, more coverage, a way for these teams to keep uh, keep playing for, for something on the line, and uh, definitely some more action to follow of course this one again more or more america's focused as mentioned there so um the teams involved by the way it's eg quincy crew crazy cloud nine business associates beast coast furia esports and thunder predator are the eight teams i do find it interesting that uh well it's worth noting evil geniuses they are using stand-ins for abed and ramses of course uh Royoya and bulba are standing in but crazy they have players like skitter and keizu even so I don't know if they're just playing from Europe. They are. Okay, that makes sense then, I guess. But yeah, that's uh, so that is interesting to note then that they're uh, they're they're dealing with the the ping issues there. 
playing in the cross region. But any thoughts uh, from yourself, BSJ, in terms of this event that's going on? My thoughts is that I know what's going on, and I've heard all the rumors about how bad Cloud9 is. So that, to me, is a good hoot. I hate to, like, root against anybody on the team, but something about Eternal Envy running through players like, you know, Dirty Laundry is is uh, in, entertaining to me to see him lose. So something about that is just really funny to me. And I've heard the memes and read all the things on Reddit. But obviously, I don't watch any more Dota than the freaking 10 to 14 hours a day that I'm already doing. So uh, other than the memes and stuff I've heard about from it, I have not watched it. But I, I think it's a great thing that it's going on. I think uh, all content, uh, a lot of people are just very happy to have stuff to watch and do while they're just stuck at home. So yeah. uh, great use of uh, a bad situation to experiment and try stuff in terms of leading into next season. Obviously, we talked about last week for the leagues. This is kind of a pre preview of what we're gonna get, and I I just smile because I just can't believe like somebody in chat mentioned. I just can't believe how bad Cloud Nine is. I actually can't <laughs> fathom how a team of like those players can just never win. Like, how can you just not win a game? I I think they're one in seventeen or whatever is what somebody in chat said, and I'm like. I'm aware it was really bad, but that's like a whole nother level of bad. So uh, I've gotten a big hoot out of that. But aside from that, uh, I, I did cast most of those teams, if not all of them. I did cast all those, I believe, at the original ESL Online League, NA and SA region league part. So I did see all those rosters with like the EG stand-ins. And uh, it was entertaining, but quite frankly, just not nearly as good a Dota as the EU region, like not even close. Like it's pretty palpable to see the level of uh, play in EU compared to NA. And there's a reason why Terrorblade and Wraith King are so popular in NA because all people know what to do is creeps. And the EU region, we've been seeing just run at you, run at you, run at you, like nonstop. Uh, the pace of the game's insanely fast. Uh, a lot of heroes like Necrophos get picked every now and then. Bristleback's been like the number one pick out of nowhere. Weaver carries even seeing picks just because it's such a fast-paced hero. Uh, and in NA, whatever team seemed to have the better scaling lineup almost always won. In EU, it's like actually kind of cool because you see the one team with the better scaling and the other team with the fast-paced lineup, and you're all like the whole game wondering – is that team going to be able to make it to the point where they win? You know, it's like actually fighting an uphill battle and it's been way more entertaining to watch because in NA, both teams kind of just pick to scale while there usually one team has some form of scaling, right? But they usually try to establish a early lead and set the pace of the game. And the team that's been setting the pace of the game has actually won a lot more than the other team. We've been seeing like nature's profits mid and all that kind of stuff and stuff. You just don't see in NA at all. And, uh, I'm curious if it ever bleeds into NA, like if people are ever going to like watch this ASL online league in the region that's clearly better and see what kind of style they're playing. Cause it's hard to emulate it in pubs in NA just because we've talked about this, but uh, in the team setting, if you can try to get on that same page and really learn from these teams, like even like team secret is just incredible to watch. But uh, yeah, I, I, the leagues, they're all great. But uh, I'm just going to keep following this Cloud9 story and see how long they keep their sponsor because uh, that is seems embarrassing if you ask me to an uh, organization of that uh, 
caliber. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they are they are very prestigious when it comes to the esports world. So you, you do got to wonder if they don't pick it up quickly in this uh, this event that they're in here. Again, the only one going on, especially for them in the Americas region right now, then uh, then, then things could change. Absolutely. Wouldn't be surprised. They there. are quite a laughing stock as of now. You compare them to like Alliance, for instance, who just lost two players and added a new captain. Yeah. And they've like gathered their, you know, gathered together as a team and ideas are clearly being spread and they're clearly growing. And you compare that to Cloud9, it's like, you know, it's like, what? Like, uh, it's... There's no excuse, as you said, like this is all that's going on right now. And it's clearly quite possible to grow as a unit quite quickly. I don't need them to win every game, but I need them to look better than they did yesterday because that's something that's very possible. And, uh, the, you know, that's obviously just not happening. Well, it, it, kind of a side, side thing here from that discussion is the idea that you do kind of wonder – Again, because I, I, I really don't know. I, I haven't been enough around behind the scenes with a lot of these competitive teams, but how much research actually is done by a lot of these teams? Or do they have people that are assigned specifically to look up these other teams or watch all these other games that are happening and pick up on set strategies? Obviously, you think about roles like the coach specifically um, that, that come to mind, but... Uh, I remember, God, there was a documentary, this was like three or four years back, where Kips, uh, she was a part of the Fnatic organization, and they, they had done the documentary on that team, and, as well as a couple others leading up to TI, I believe it was. And her job specifically was more about doing just that, you know, analyzing other teams, what they're doing, analyzing the meta, and bringing in all that data to then figure out what they could potentially try themselves. And I understand data only means so much, and you don't want to just say, oh, everything else, or all these teams are running this, so we should be 100% running this. But, you know, to your point about those Terror Blades and Wraith King meta in North America, and yet that's not really seen over there in the European CIS region, which they're having four best of threes every single day being played for two and a half three weeks do teams not have these people with the hundreds of thousands millions of dollars involved in a scene like this like it almost seems like common sense that you would have somebody that would be designated to to, to a role like that but it's very hard because it's not enough to know what heroes are getting picked you have to understand what makes them good and you have to understand how to play them as a team like there's it doesn't matter if you have a level 25 Dota plus Nature's Profit player on your team. If your team doesn't know why Nature's Profit is good, what makes him good, his timings, what he's going to build, what he's going to yeah. contribute to the team, it just doesn't matter. Like, it actually just doesn't matter. And I firmly am of the opinion that uh, I'm, I'm not trying to call anyone out. So I'm trying like, this isn't like directed at anyone in particular. I think that job is really hard to do properly. I think that's an incredibly difficult job. And I don't know if there's anyone in the world outside of like a very select few of coaches that can do it per like at the level that that some of these teams are doing. And there's a reason why, like we were talking to Arzard, I believe who coached or our Zeke, I think our Zeke is his name. Yeah. Uh, he coached VP last year and he's coaching. I think, I think unique or cyber legacy. Some, one of those, like one of the other CIS teams. And uh, we were talking to him in one of the interviews and, there's a reason why you're like getting a cycle through of the same coaches because really the only reason teams break up for the most part is because they don't see eye to eye with whatever members of the staff or players on their team. But there's very few people that are actually able to do this job. And in the NA region, I actually don't know who does it. Like I actually don't know anyone who does that job. And 
And like, it's interesting. I feel like I know a lot about Dota and I study a lot about Dota. I don't even know how well I would do that job. I'd have to give it a shot, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I really don't know how much goes into that job. And it actually does take a lot of experience. I'm also aware, but like the level of understanding to, 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 to like gather a team around a hero. Like that's why the difference between tier one teams and tier two teams is so palpable because tier one teams can play almost every hero at the highest level, like almost every hero. And usually with tier two teams, they have a kind of a crutch of like four or five heroes that their entire strategy revolves around. And if they don't have at least one or two of those heroes, they just can't play Dota. Like they actually just don't know like what they're doing in comparison to these tier one teams. So yeah. uh, when it comes to jobs like that, do these NA teams have it? Like all that kind of stuff. I, it seems there's so many things in Dota that just seems so fixable. And I know what you're saying. Like, it seems like it should just not be that way. Uh, but that's like the beauty, but also the freaking agony of, of Dota is, is like a lot of these teams are talking about, I have asked, I've tried to ask them, what do you feel like you're growing the most about when it comes to this tournament, as you're going over the course of it. And they are watching each other. They're watching a lot of games. They're realizing for themselves, they're self-correcting. Like what did, what, went wrong was it our view of the draft was it the way we played the draft like is it the heroes were prioritizing it like what what is it you know and uh and a lot of them have talked about how their their view on the meta and the way they're approaching the best of three like just today we talked to armus of viking gg one of the teams that have come a long way and he said that the way we've recovered coming from game one to game two has changed a lot over the course of this tournament and it really does show in their results they've had I believe like almost all of their wins, they lost the first game and then won the next two. So mm-hmm. uh, it really shows that they're adjusting to the teams they're playing against. And uh, it's very hard to, it's just like in programming and like computers where if something, if there's a bug and it says error, you get the trial and error, almost everything to find out what component of is the issue. And it's like in Dota, there's so much that can go wrong in a game. It's a very difficult skill to be able to say, this is what's wrong fix it you know there's there's a lot of potential causes for the same thing so uh listening to these guys they're all just very like the teams that are doing better seem to be very confident in what they're doing they seem to be open to ideas it sounds like even like with alliance uh they for instance are just all in on s4 like s4 is they trust him uh they're able to bounce their own ideas off of him but at the end of the day, it's his say, and they all have to buy into it. Like Hanskin talked about, or I think it was Limp, said, we have a whole new play style now, and it's very clear if you watch their games. And sometimes we just don't play it perfectly because S4 is making the calls or he's the one making the draft, and we've never played that before. But rather than, like I tell you from any perspective, I assure you there are a lot of freaking times where you do that, and the team will blame the draft rather than blaming the fact that we didn't play the draft properly. And I can tell with that team, the atmosphere seems pretty healthy in regards to all inning on one guy's idea of Dota, but bouncing your ideas off of that one centered unit. And I can tell you, based on hearing and talking briefly to the people of C9, there are way too many voices going on in that team, like way too many. And uh, it's like, I assure you that there is chaos, turmoil, a lot of random shit in that roster because if they were able to band around one guy's idea of Dota and just basically be humble and humi- like have enough humility to do so, that OG. team would improve. 
What? That was great. Uh, oh, OG. yes, OG. OG, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, there is no secret. Like, we, I asked No Tail, like, what about you guys? Are you able to just throw a roster together and just look better than almost every team in the world despite having two or three new players when some other teams collapse with one change? And he's like, obviously, I can't tell you my secrets, but we like each other and we listen to each other and we buy into my game plan. Like that's, I'm telling you, NA is so full of, like, I don't like most of the people that play Dota in NA. Like, I, I actually just don't like them. I, like, I don't, it's not that I don't like them as Dota players. Like, I, I don't like how they contribute to a the team. I, yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I, a lot of the reason why I gave up playing professional primarily was I believe in all the teams I ever played with, there's maybe two players I can look back on fondly where I say I would play with them again. I enjoyed the experience of playing with them. Not all of them are bad people. Okay. Like they're not like assholes. They, they, they just don't handle conflict. They don't like put in the work that everyone else is doing. Like I know for a fact on some of these NA teams, I I can't, I'm not going to rat people out that there's imbalance of work ethic that there's lack of trust between team to team, teammate to teammate, where I can tell you, if you don't trust your teammate and he's supposed to be the one that carries you, like say he's got the 10th pick or whatever, uh, you're going to play differently. If you don't trust that guy, you're going to be like, if your item build was better off enabling him to win the game, you're not going to do that. If you don't trust him, you're going to build items for yourself. That's what's going to happen. And I can tell in these EU teams, the ones that are the best, some games, no one is the center of attention for VP and all of the strategy revolves around his hero. And like the pace of the game is set by his hero and everything everyone else does is based on his hero. And in other games, it's Rezo. And in other games, it's ILTW or uh, not ILTW. Is it ILTW? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I get mixed up the team sometimes. Sometimes it's ILTW. And I'm just like, you can just tell they like each other. You can just tell that they're willing to just do whatever it takes to get to the same goal. And I am telling you in NA, it just does not happen from every team I've experienced. And a lot of these tier two, tier three teams, I've played with most of these guys at some point, like at, at some point. And it, it is a mentality issue beyond comprehension to most people who've never experienced it. And uh, I know I've rattled on for a long time. It's a very obviously passionate sensitive point for someone like me but uh mentality wise it is miserable to play competitive dota in the na region and uh like i hear about it too and there's very few teams in the cis and eu region that i've talked to where anyone seems remotely like yeah obviously they could be faking it there's no way to know but yeah. they just seem to enjoy getting better and learning the game of Dota 2 together and that's what's supposed to matter in a team setting and mm-hmm. uh easier said than done but there's a reason why the growth of the CIS region for instance I, I it doesn't surprise me that that region has increased dramatically in terms of the tier 3 and tier 3 scene two tier 2 and tier 3 scene dramatic like the the skill level is insanely high compared to like a year or two ago and even though the rosters are kind of shuffling, sometimes personalities conflict and everything. Uh, it's just the mentality of trying to get better. And like you talk about having these coaches, these analysts, I'll tell you straight, straight the hell up. There may be people that can do it. There are plenty of people in NA who are not coachable and malleable. Like you, they're just not like you will not get through to them. They will not listen to you. Like, yeah, they'll hear you, but they won't 
listen. And that's that's where I draw the whole NA's problems from. Like I, I it's it's actually almost demoralizing to say it out loud. <laughs> to be like this is because it really brings back like vivid experiences of yeah of my own. And by no means do I think I'm some, you know, high or what I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal or I was above all this crap. Like it's very easy to buy into this crap too. And it took me not playing for six months plus to realize what the problem was in all my teams and that I was one of the contributing factors by buying into a mentality. That's a failures mentality. And it's just like, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to probably cut myself off there, but it, this whole watching this EU CIS region into at an intimate level in the sense that I'm watching them so much every day, we're interviewing teams. You can see the changes they're making. You can see the growth. And that is something I have not seen in any team I've ever played on and it, or like seen in the NA region. And it's just really cool, but it almost feels like a fairy tale. Uh, that's like yeah. what it feels like from my perspective. Yeah. I, again, we're, we, we are running a little bit long here, but I, those are some fantastic points very well said and it, it honestly it you kind of think about just esports as a whole not even necessarily dota 2 or north america region but esports as a whole just the lack of structure that is within in a lot of cases and you know that that is growing pains right we are still very early on in the big scheme of things um there has been more foundation in certain games that have taken place and you do look at structures behind some of these franchise leagues and you know the fact they have coaches they have trainers they have all these things you got to kind of wonder you know what what that would be like you know within the dota 2 scene if uh if it was to come to that but uh obviously that that's a, that's a whole another discussion uh, once again but um yeah, uh, there, there there was another topic that I thought would be kind of interesting to discuss as well. But honestly, we we could save it for another time because we we are getting up to the hour mark here. So I think it it makes sense to uh, start running on there. <laughs> no, that n- never be sorry, man. That, that's why people tune in the show, right? To hear uh, sure. myself and, and especially your opinions. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're rambling as you call it. But no, I honestly think that that was uh, very well said in a lot of ways. So. Um, yeah, it was a good rant as a TCG. Yeah, somebody somebody in out. chat called it a nice rant. I guess that's like a left-handed compliment. The rant <laughs> was good. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, no, but uh, so I think we are going to start wrapping up here, guys. Again, as far as recapping and stuff, not a whole lot to go over once again. Next week will be a little bit better once uh, as this event will officially be over. Well, that BSJ, of course, is commentating for and a couple other things are happening. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll take a week by week as we all are right now, especially. But we definitely uh, plan to be here every week as we have been, of course. So I want to thank you all for tuning in. But BSJ, before we do wrap up, anything else before? I've said enough, as always. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and start wrapping it up officially one more time. Feel free to follow the channel as well as even subscribe if you would like. Uh, it does help support not only our podcast, but the whole Prediction Esports Umbrella podcast. And uh, about an hour from now, 9 p.m. Eastern, on this very channel, there will be a Rocket League podcast right. as well. So if you happen to be interested in Rocket League, Definitely stick around for that or tune back in, I suppose, in about an hour from now. But as far as the Wombo Combo podcast, we are officially wrapping up. Until next time, have a good night. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. 
Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.